We're going to use Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 13 as our springboard this morning. We came to the conclusion last week that, well, what does the church do? We worship. We worship in all of life. We worship as we're doing now and coming together uh, corporately because our God is worthy of all of our praise. He alone is worthy. So as, uh, as we worship out of love, out of gratitude, it really moves us to what it is we're going to talk about this morning from Ephesians uh, chapter 4. You can follow along with me. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That long sentence continues in Ephesians 4, but we're going we're gonna to end there this morning. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this word. Your word spoken through the apostle. Lord, this is a grace to us that we might learn and grow as your people. And pray that you would grow us up and mature us now even as we study this word. We invite you in to, to teach, to illumine our hearts to a greater understanding of who we are and what we are about as a church in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we offer. Amen. Take a very big lake, a small sailboat, and two high school age guys who know just enough about sailing to get wet. And that was me and my good friend, Dan. And Dan and his family owned this little, I guess it was about nine feet maybe, a little two-person yellow sailboat, a snark, which is just as cool to say as it is to actually use, a snark. And Dan had been sailing a few times. He knew what he was doing. I had read about sailing and was fairly confident I knew what I was doing. And so the two of us loaded this thing up in a little trailer and we headed out to Gun Lake with this snark. And it didn't take us long to figure out that maybe we weren't as apt to sailing as we thought. Um, but, you know, I kind of I, I knew what I was doing. So I said, okay, Dan, now sit over here. Okay, no, now sit over here. And then the, the, you know, the sail would swing back to the other side, and then I don't know how many times I got hit in the head by the sail, um, when what I really should have been doing was just stay quiet and listen to my friend who knew a little bit more about how to sail. And so there was enough breeze that for avid sailors, I think they would have had a good time. For us, we sort of did this over the water and kind of went in circles uh, and so forth. But it proved to be a lot harder uh, than we thought. So I thought there's any number of things that can um, break down unity on a sailing crew, um, even if that's just two people. And there are many things that can break down, chip away at unity of the church, a unity that we've been called to as those in Jesus Christ. There may be two people, maybe 20 people, 200 people. Um, but when our own pride, there was a lot of pride when I was on that sailboat. I knew what I was doing. Dan could help if he needed to. But there was, there was self-centeredness, fear, anger, any of these things in the life of the church. Uncommunicated expectations. When those things dominate and they, they push out a gratitude to God and His love for us, the forgiveness we have in Christ, then that tears away at the unity of the church. And Paul tells us that Jesus is the standard of maturity. 
to which the church has been called to, to, to grow, to aspire to, or not to, to stay as little children, or to grow up as one body uh, in complete unity in the faith. So how do we do this? Better said, how does the Spirit of Christ do this in us uh, and for us? So we're going to look at uh, a few different ways this morning. How we serve one another in the body of Christ, and I've broken this down into two words that start with L, lunch and learning. Lunch and learning. So we're called to nurture one another in a common faith. So what does the church do? Worships, we talked about that, but the church also builds itself up, equips its members unto godliness, and maturity in Christ. Um, I need you to live. Maybe you remember saying that to the person sitting next to you or alongside you a couple of weeks ago. Your spiritual life, mine, is encouraged and developed in the context of this, right here, in the context of the church. As we spend life-on-life life time in fellowship, uh, we grow to be more like Jesus. Um, the way in which we come alongside one another, influence one another. This is that, that word we read in the New Testament called koinonia. The koinonia to which we've been called as a church. It's more than just hanging out, though that can be part of it. The koinonia, this fellowship, is a common participation in the grace of God. Remember, as we were going through Philippians, that very first chapter in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you all have fellowship with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and defense of the gospel. So the church had this koinonia with Paul. This this. This came with being united in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, Paul uses that phrase more than any other in the New Testament. That two-word phrase, in Christ. Our fellowship in Christ uh, has a lot of uh, implications to it. And the most evident was last week. As we, we shared a common meal together around this table. We share a common inheritance in the Lord Jesus. And so that communion table as representative of this, participation in the grace of God. But there's other ways that we see this koinonia uh, in the church. We share our spiritual wealth with each other. Your experiences in the faith, uh, your knowledge, your counsel, an ability just to listen, uh, to empathize. We share material wealth with brothers and sisters in need. We show hospitality, kindness to one another. We forgive one another. Rejoicing one another. Weeping with one another. Knowing how to distinguish between those two in the life of the body. And if you've been in the church any length of time, you know that this doesn't happen just by gathering for an hour or two on Sunday mornings. It often takes intentional meetings together. Small groups in the church to really find that place of confidence, find that place of, of commonality where that fellowship, that koinonia can actually uh, happen. And we have several community groups in the life of this church that I hope that you're a part of or you're looking to explore. There's a lot that can be said about personal relationship, intimacy in a, in a smaller a group. Uh, very vital for our spiritual growth. 
Again, more than just coming together for Bible study, though that's usually part of it. More than just coming together for a lunch or supper, though that's usually part of it. Um, we develop a love for one another. Um, and we can share in the ups and downs, ins and outs of life in a sacrificial way. I was uh, reading a book by pastor and theologian uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, kind of a refresher on life together. He's written about community in the church. Uh, it's quite eye-opening as he talked about human love and our, just, our desire as human beings for community in contrast with grace-motivated love. You say, well, we all need community. What's, what's the difference? But, but there is a, a difference. I think Paul talks about this in that love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to these first few verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Do you hear what Paul is saying? We can have the very best of intentions. We can have the, the highest devotion. We can make the greatest sacrifices, and yet apart from love, it has no lasting spiritual power. Um, here's how Bonhoeffer summarizes. Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. Spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. Let me just say that one more time. Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. Spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. When they, he's not very lovable, or she's not very lovable, or we're not very lovable. So the, the koinonia of God's people, it runs deeper, endures well beyond what mere human love and community would look like. I was thinking about you know, all the flood cleanup in Houston right now that's going to continue for a long time in Florida and sure to follow. I mean, it's been a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of human beings coming together, a, a desire for community, the need for community, helping each other. I mean, you see every age, skin color, religious affiliation, they're, they're all coming together, joining arm to arm uh, to help one another. But what happens when the floodwaters recede? Um, what happens when the experience that brought them together goes away? And, and our hope would be that you know, neighbors would be more cordial or maybe they'd be a little more open with each other. Um, but unless those roots go, go deeper, if there's a spiritual bond, the fences are going to go up again. The, the love of self Individual kingdoms, that, that will prevail. Um, so the church is bound together by faith. Our, our community is a community of peace in Jesus, not, not just our experience. See, I think how quickly human love uh, can change, either when it's not reciprocated, um, expectations aren't met. The community of faith holds, continues. Uh, to love in spite of those unfulfilled expectations. Um, so we need to ask ourselves, do we want love one another 
and share life together just for community's sake or for Christ's sake and the joy that we have in Him. So our fellowship, it's, it's very important. Lunches that we enjoy, deeper commonality, participation in Christ. doesn't mean that you have to, to talk about Jesus at every time that you see someone in the church. Um, but it's Jesus and His sacrificial love that brings us together. A spiritual way that, that merely human love cannot. So as part of our being together, the sharing lunches, it's, it's the fellowship, but it's also the care of the church. I think this is closely related as part of this koinonia. We're to spend time together sharing um, joys, sharing burdens. This is God's word in Galatians 2, Galatians 6. Remember the poor. In James chapter 1, it says that pure religion before God is what? It's, it's helping, visiting the orphan and the widow. We're to visit one another. Encourage one another, pray for one another uh, within the body of Christ. It's really at the heart of diaconal service in the church that was established formally in Acts chapter 6. You remember that the apostles lay their hands on, on seven men at that time to, to go out and meet the practical needs of those around them so that the apostles could preach and teach. Um, are we willing to care for one another and be cared for? within the church. Sometimes our pride, our selfishness gets in the way. Well, I'll help, but I don't need help, is the attitude. Um, need to give out of what has been given. Not, not expecting something in the return. Well, well, maybe this will be reciprocated and it'll work out for me. No, we give out of what has been given to us, whether that can be returned or not. And so our lunches, our time together is spent in fellowship, caring for one another. It really is a gift of God to be able to do this, to be able to spend time uh, together. Source of joy, source of strength for the body. Uh, I think what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, his desire is that he would see the people of the church face to face, be strengthened, sort of make up what was lacking uh, in their faith. So please don't take that for granted. What we're doing right now, being able to, to meet together physically, present with one another. Uh, so many of our brothers and sisters cannot enjoy this right now. They may be sick, they may be shut in, uh, they may be imprisoned, they may just be in exile. Um, they share in the community of faith, yet in God's providence, they for a time cannot meet together. Uh, so we can be thankful for that. So we meet together, encourage one another, uh, help one another. We're also called to grow together, uh, to develop, deepen our walk with the Lord. Uh, this is something that parents desire for their children. Uh, they would, would grow up, mature, learn. This is something God desires of His children, that we would grow up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, God is redeeming and purifying His bride, and so much of our life together is being used for that purpose, in purifying His church. As a middle school Young teenager, I was just uh, as eager after the amen of the benediction to go pew, head straight out those doors because I knew that there was food, ball games, and maybe a nap even uh, in my future. And so that's, uh, but you know, thankfully, uh, my parents said the food and the, the ball games and the naps could wait until after catechism class. And so I somewhat begrudgingly would leave worship, go across the parking lot from the sanctuary, and there was a two-story brick 
a house. It was once a parsonage uh, that was now the education building. Uh, and it was there that Mrs. Faber, who was also a middle school teacher during the week, so the Lord had endowed her with much grace and patience. Um, but she would go through the Heidelberg Catechism with us and you know, the, the supporting Scripture passages to those answers. And I, I wish I could you know, recite all of those answers to you. I can't. You know, what is your only comfort in life and death? I'm not my own, but I can start. Um, but it, you know, over the months and over the years, it, it began to ingrain um, in, in my mind, in my heart, just the language of who God was and how to describe His character and what He had done. Um, something that I'd heard since infancy, but now it was, it was working in just a little bit more. So that when I did leave West Michigan, went out on my own, and my faith was kicked around a little bit, and the culture's taken a hatchet to those roots by God's mercy and the faithful instruction of parents and those within the church, they stood. They withheld. Um, so as we grow and build one another up to be more like Jesus, we grow in wisdom, we grow in our ability to daily make decisions uh, with the wisdom of the Spirit. Uh, we see the unique roles that God has given in the church here in Ephesians 4 to help build up the church, uh, to train, set the church for life together. That, that very language there, prepare or equip, it's actually a medical term. You, you break a bone and it's, it's set so that it heals properly. That, that, that's what's being described here. Um, to set, to, to build up the body in the proper direction, by like constant, constant use, constant care and practice. The writer of the Hebrews says, as much, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So that training happens here within the walls of, of the church during a Sunday school time, but it's really training in all of life living out, modeling what we have been taught and what we're learning, um, sharing it with others. Um, Jude verse 3, faith that has been entrusted to all the saints is what we are, are educating and training through the generations. Um, it may come through balanced Sunday school curriculum, it comes through counseling, it comes through disseminating resources over the internet perhaps. Um, Again, I just want to say a word about counseling. I mentioned this before. I'm not a professionally trained counselor. And I've done very little counseling in connection with this body, which makes very good sense. It takes time to build relational trust. It takes literal time out of the day to do this. It takes courage to allow another to sort of peer through the window of your heart things that you'd much rather keep hidden. But that said, I cannot overemphasize the importance of counsel in our lives. God's Word stresses this. It stresses wise counsel before our lives, or our relationships, or our marriages, our finances, our kids, before all that is shipwrecked. Seek counsel. Um, so, you know, the pastor or counselor may, may have the answer. They may not. Likely won't in a lot of ways, and that's okay. Maybe able to provide resources or steer in a direction or, or 
uh, mention another in the church who can provide help. Come alongside in that uh, particular way for healing. Um, and before we leave the importance of instruction in the church, um, let's consider just the great responsibility that God has given to parents, grandparents, families, and the nurture uh, of their children in the ways of the Lord. I mean, that's what the sacrament this morning was a big part of that, right? We promised to do this. It encourages us in this. Think of God's word through Moses in Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. So that instruction happens. First and foremost in the home, within the context of the church, in all of life. God is a source of wisdom. Wisdom as defined by the Bible, is the ability to, to discern critically about the world. This wisdom that we're, we're growing in, that we desire our children to learn, it has a purpose. Your education has a purpose, kids. It does. It has a purpose to bring peace, greater fellowship, restored relationships, wherever there are relationships, in our homes, in your school classrooms that part-time job, or at the office. Uh, one of the, the men in our presbytery, Ed Eubanks, uh, he writes a few things on education. I like this sentence. He summarizes, We educate to bring about the restoration of souls, selves, communities, and creation into the majesty they were created to be. That's why we learn. That's why we educate. Um, in our homes, in the church, and yes, in, in the public school. See, it's this side over here. That's the purpose. They may not acknowledge that, may not be permitted to acknowledge it, but that, that's the goal, ultimately, in our education. Um, you know, obviously, with three children of my own, I have a vested interest in how they're being taught and what they're being taught and... Uh, the influence that that is having on, on how they view themselves and the world around them. Uh, but because my children, our family, is part of this church of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have a vested interest in how they're learning. I have a vested interest in the what's and how's and the where's of instruction for your children and your grandchildren. And we know this looks... You know, it is different as every family is different. It doesn't mean we're controlling all the operations and aspects of education. Um, but as a people, we must be supportive. Um, provide counsel to the education of our children in all of life. That's life together in covenant community. I like to use that well-known lyric, May all who come behind us find us faithful. That is my desire for your children and grandchildren as much as it is for my own. Faithful and passing on what the Lord has entrusted. And we just said it, right? We just said we do to that very thing in the sacrament. So there's instruction in life for the church. Learning also includes this piece, responsibility and accountability. This will be the last thing. We're responsible to the Lord to 
use the gifts that He's given to us in the measure that He's given to us to build up the church. Ephesians 4.12, again in 1 Corinthians 14, after Paul instructs the church about the, the speaking of tongues, he says, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. To help one another where another is weak. You come alongside. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm not uh, very mechanically minded. I mean, I can do the basics. Uh, but if you ask me you know, to troubleshoot the car or to fix the garage door, my doorbell isn't working now. So for those of you who may be good at that sort of thing. Um, but I, I can encourage someone to use their gifts, someone who has experience in these things. Um, come alongside each other. Um, each one of us contributes to the stability and strength of the church. In every age, you don't have to be a certain age in order for this to happen. Uh, maybe spiritual gifts, maybe practical helps in some way. In doing this, we grow up uh, together. So ask yourself that question, how, how am I building up the church? You know how the Lord has gifted you. There are lots of wonderful um, surveys out there to help identify spiritual gifts, personality types, and how those interact uh, together. Come talk to me for five minutes. We'll narrow down what it is you're passionate about. What it is you like to do? How you could potentially serve in the life of the church. Uh, the church uh, survey, that congregational survey we mentioned. It's something I encourage you to, uh, to fill out. Um, but this is our responsibility. As part of the, the growing up, we're accountable to one another. Uh, our thoughts and words and actions reflect upon the bride of Christ, upon Trinity Fellowship Church. You know, when, when my, my children want to, want to go somewhere or leave the house, then they, need to, they need to tell me. They're, they're accountable to, um, to us as their parents. We need to know where they're going. That, that doesn't mean that everyone in the church knows where you're going all the time or every decision that you've made. Um, but it does mean that we take a genuine interest in what's going on in each other's lives. To the point where if an encouraging word is needed, we can offer that. That we have a relationship of trust built up that uh, if correction is needed, we can offer that without fear of, of resentment. Uh, I think so often, you know, uh, you know, what does that person have it all together? Or, you know, nobody's perfect. Well, no, that's not what we're saying at all. Sometimes we need a warm hug and sometimes we need a kick in the pants from a brother or sister in the Lord who has the, the same goals, restoration, healing, um, repentance, as what this looks like. So we really come full circle, enjoying lunch together and the fellowship that we have as a church to accountability and discipline, all of which is a part of the nurture and equipping uh, that happens in the church. So Dan and I, we struggled on this snark. Um, we had a good time. We did make it back, sort of, to where we started. Um, and uh, neither of us, well, I have not sailed since then, quite honestly. And I'm not sure if Dan, he's on the West Coast now, so he probably has uh, sailed a little bit more. Um, but th this last June, I, I think it happens every summer, if you were to watch the America's Cup, there's two 72-foot catamarans, 11 men on each crew, and these guys are smooth. Like they each have a job, and they know exactly what that job is. And they do it with such speed and such efficiency. So these things just fly over the water, like 50 miles an hour in these sailboats. Um, God has graciously given each one of us gifts. Um, 
in the amount that he's apportioned to build up the body for the race that's ahead of us. So as you look at that person, left and right, before and behind you, if they are in Christ and you're eternally united to that person, you're called to, to encourage and help them grow in the faith. Jesus is the first and ultimate giver and equipper of His church. Um, so as a people, we can build one another up in love. And you know what? If that, if that is something that's happening, it tends to trickle out in service to those who aren't yet a part of this, who aren't yet a part of the church. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. Let's pray. Father, you are Lord of all. Lord Jesus, you are the head of your church. It's you who are building us up, equipping us as your bride. Continue this work, Lord. We know we have a long way to go and to grow as your people. We thank you that you have given us, you, you work in us these means of grace, even now as we commune with you in prayer, as you show us in a tangible way through the sacrament that we belong to you, that you have placed your name upon us. Oh, may the name of Jesus be upheld, glorified, look big in our midst, the way in which we treat one another, the way in which we encourage one another. May it be so as we go from this place and as we fellowship. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.